0: You guys, Pastor David here. Uh, welcome to Victory Church. We're excited that you have uh, found us, that you're joining us today. We're a community of authentic spirit-led Christ followers, transformed to walk in victory. That is our vision here at Victory Church. And that is what we're praying will become a reality for us as a church here at Victory. So I'm glad that you guys found us. I'm glad that you're joining us today. And we're excited about kicking off this sermon here in just a moment. You guys do so much for our kids, don't they? Let's give them a hand. Thank you so much. And so many of these ladies, they are there like sometimes, I mean, several weeks in a row every other week. They do a lot for our kids. And, and I just want to, I don't, just kind of off the cusp here, like just, just want to say thank you to them and also let you know that when they go back there, they're not just going back there to play games. I mean, they are having fun, but they're getting fed um, the word of God just like we're getting fed the word of God. So I'm so thankful for those guys and the commitment that they've given, they've made to our kids in this church. Um, God is good, isn't he? God is, al- God is always good. Um, so, so today we're continuing on in a series that we kicked off last week. It's a series in the book of Galatians. This is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. It is a, it's a smaller book found in the New Testament, but don't let the size of this book fool you. It packs a big punch. It's been called The Declaration of Independence of Christian Liberty, and it's actually been revered or looked at by many people, including the late Martin Luther, as one of the most impactful books in the entire Bible. Um, this book was originally a letter that Paul wrote to a group, a bunch of churches in the region or the area of Galatia, thus the name, the book of Galatians. And in this book, there's so much meat, so much that Paul teaches us in this book. But one of the main, probably most important things that Paul shows us and teaches us is the fact that when we know and when we apply the truths of the Bible or the gospel, rather, to our life, it changes everything. When we know and we apply the truths of the gospel to our life, it changes everything. And the text that we're going to be diving into today, one of the things that this text is going to show us is that the gospel causes transformation. That's our big idea today. The gospel causes transformation. It doesn't just cause minor adjustments in our life. The gospel literally um, causes complete transformation from the inside out. Because of the gospel, we as Christians can honestly say, you know what, we may not be the people that we want to be yet or we will be, but thank God we are not the people that we used to be, and that is only because of Jesus Christ, the gospel message of Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the gospel. I thank you, Jesus, for the cross. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. I pray that you help us to understand that we are covered by grace alone. There's nothing that we could ever do to deserve this. God, I pray that there's anybody here today that does not know you, whose eyes have not been opened and their hearts haven't been opened to the gospel message, and they have not been saved, I pray that you would just open their eyes, open their hearts today, that today they would leave here. They wouldn't leave here the same, but they would leave here changed and transformed by you, by the gospel. And I pray that you use this time, too, to just help us dive into this text. For many of us, this is something that we've read several times, but I I pray that you help us to see it in a fresh, new way, and to glean your truth from this and apply it to our lives, and walk out of here transformed. Holy Spirit, take over this place. Help us to feel you tangibly. Take over this sermon. We thank you. We love you. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen. So last week we covered the first 10 verses as we dove into this book and the the first chapter in Galatians. And it highlighted the truth of the gospel for us. One, but it also pointed us to the fact that there's only one gospel and it never changes. And something else that Paul also showed us in those first 10 verses is the fact that if we um, take away or if we add even just a little bit, to the truth of the gospel, just a tiny bit. It completely contaminates the whole thing, and it turns the truth of the gospel into a lie that doesn't save. It only destroys. And today, um, we're going to be continuing on in that text. We're actually going to wrap up the first chapter in this book. And through this text that we're going to be diving into today, we're going to see a couple of different things. One of the things that we're going to see is Paul um, giving us this defense. He's actually defending himself in three different ways. And there's two major things that he's defending. First off is his apostleship. So Paul is an apostle. In the New Testament, an apostle was essentially a person that had a direct contact with um, the resurrected Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in person. And not only that, but they also had a direct commission from Jesus for a specific purpose. And so Paul is an apostle. He's a legit apostle, and he's going to be defending that in this text. But the other thing that he's going to be defending is the gospel message that he preaches, that it's the truth of the gospel. The gospel, when we say that word, we say that a lot, gospel. What does that mean? The gospel simply means good news. So it's the good news of Jesus Christ. So on top of seeing this defense that Paul's going to be giving about his apostleship and about the truth of the gospel that he preaches, we're also going to get a, back, a behind-the-scenes look at Paul's life, what I like to call his uh, pre-Christ or his before Christ testimony, and then also his with Christ testimony. And if you've never heard Paul's testimony, I'm telling you right now, it is incredible. It's like the, probably the best testimony that I've ever heard in my entire life. So um, it's awesome. Let's, uh, with all that said, we're going to go ahead and dive in. Again, we're going to be in the first chapter of Galatians, wrapping up chapter 1, starting with verse 11, which says, For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel preached by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, and I was not taught it, but it came by revelation from Jesus Christ. Where you have heard about my former way of life in Judaism, I intensely persecuted God's church and tried to destroy it. I advanced Judaism beyond many contemporaries among my people because I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. So an issue that Paul would oftentimes run into with people is that people would either uh, talk about him as though or, or look at him as though he was like less than as though he wasn't one of the main apostles. He wasn't like a legit apostle, kind of less than, second string. And the reason that this um, was a big deal, it wasn't so much like a a blow to his ego. The reason that this was such a big deal is because he already had trouble with these false teachers that were coming in and infiltrating the churches. And it just made it easy for them uh, to come in and infiltrate these churches that Paul had started, that Paul had planted, And they would come in and they would sway these Christians by feeding them this false gospel. And we kind of talked about that a little bit last week. So that's why this is a big deal. And what Paul would do in order to kind of combat this or fight back against this is he would defend himself, again, his apostleship and also the truth of the gospel. He does that in three ways in this text. But the first way that we see is he talks about how, you know, look, I didn't receive this message from just a random person. I didn't just receive it from like a random group of people. In other words, I didn't go up to some like hobo on the side of the street and get this message. I didn't make it up or fabricate it in my head. Paul literally got this message, the truth of the gospel. Um, it, it was shown to him in a vision through Jesus, by Jesus Christ in person. That's how Paul learned about the gospel. Not from any group of people. He didn't make this up. Jesus Christ himself, the resurrected Jesus Christ came to him and actually showed him the truth of the gospel. And not only that, but Jesus Christ in person also commissioned him to teach the the truth of the gospel, to spread the truth of the gospel to the Gentiles, which were simply non-Jews. And so because of that, because Jesus is the one who taught Paul the truth of the gospel and not some random other person, that makes Paul a legit apostle. He's not less than these these other apostles. He is a legit apostle just like any of these other guys, like John or Peter or James or any of the other ones. So that's one thing that we see in this text. But the other thing that we see in this text is this like behind-the-scenes look at Paul's um, testimony, his life before Christ. And notice in this text, it says he intensely, and check out that word, intensely persecuted God's church. And tried to destroy it. I mean, that's just like, I mean, this word intensely. This wasn't just a little bit, man. And this, by the way, happened before his um, road to Damascus experience, where he was radically saved and radically transformed by Jesus Christ in person on his road to Damascus. The reason that he was on that road in the first place is he was going to persecute and to bring back these Christians to have them killed. Like, that's why he was on that road in the first place. That's what he was doing whenever Jesus Christ met him there on that road and saved him on that road. And the thing is, too, he was really good at it. Like, he was one of the main kind of ringleaders of this kind of pursuit against the Christians, this persecution against the Christian. He was really, really good at it. He actually went to, like, the head honchos in the church in that day, the Jewish church, and he actually asked for special permission to go and hunt these guys down in Damascus to chase them down, to persecute them, bring them back so they could essentially be killed. Like, and this is all after he had already persecuted a bunch of Christians and had them killed in Jerusalem. Remember Stephen? Yeah, he was there, he was there. In other words, this dude was horrible. He he was a monster before Christ. Like, he would be like the present day equivalent to one of the main leaders in ISIS. If he had done a lot of the things that he did back in that day and age, if he did that today, he would probably be like on America's top ten most wanted. He was a horrible, horrible guy. I mean, so many things that he did. And it's hard for us to kind of picture Paul in this light. Because when we think of Paul, the first thing that we start to think of is this incredible evangelist that did so much for the sake of the gospel and the spread, spread of the gospel and the advancement of the kingdom of God. Planting churches, wrote tons of the New Testament. But the truth is, before Jesus, Paul was a monster I mean, he was a horrible dude, and it kind of helps us to go back a little bit more into his past to figure out, okay, why did this dude do this? Not that there's like some logical reason as to why you'd want to persecute a bunch of people and have them killed, but why would this guy do this? And what happened was, see, Paul was he was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish that was essentially a Jewish religious leader. He was a Pharisee and he was extremely zealous is what the text tells us. And what that means is he was extremely passionate, very, very passionate religious Jewish leader back in his day and age. And he, as nuts, as crazy as it sounds, he sincerely thought that he was doing a good thing, he was doing the right thing when he was hunting these Christians down and having them persecuted and killed. He sincerely thought he was doing the right thing. Pastor and seminary professor Tony Morita said, Paul is a classic example of a person who was sincere in his misdirected beliefs before becoming a Christian. And what we learn from this is sincerity cannot bring you to salvation if you do not sincerely catch this. Believe the truth. It is possible for you to be sincerely wrong. It is possible. You can be consumed with religion and completely miss Jesus. Paul was consumed with religion. He was so passionate. He was very sincere. But he completely missed the gospel. He completely missed Jesus. Before Christ, again, Paul was a monster. He was a horrible guy. We wouldn't have wanted to have anything at all to do with this guy. But thank God that God did not give up on Paul. Thank God. And thank God that he does not give up on any one of us either. Let's keep on going to this text, verse 15. But when God who from my mother's womb set me apart and called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son in me. I want you to pause there for just a second. Catch this. God called Paul, not the other way around. It was by God's grace alone that Paul was saved. And in the same way, guys, it is by God's grace alone that we are saved. Jesus Christ met Paul where he was at and he saved him where he was at. When he was on the road to persecute and to have more Christians killed, he had already done that. Right there in the middle of all that. God, Jesus Christ, came down, he met him where he was at, and he saved him where he was at. Guys, what we have to understand is the gospel message, it's not a message about sinful man reaching up to God for salvation. This is a message about God reaching down to sinful man for rescue. That's what this story is about. The gospel doesn't just save us. The gospel completely transforms us. And you can see that through the life of Paul. Before Christ, Paul was drowning in an ocean of his own sin. But with Christ Christ, Paul was drowning in an ocean of God's scandalous love and grace. And notice in this text, when Jesus was revealed to Paul, Paul was called to reveal Jesus to the rest of the world. He was called to reveal him to the rest of the world, not just to keep him to himself. And not only that, but in this text, this is so crazy, this pleased the Father. It pleased the Father, get this, don't miss this, it pleased the Father for this once murderer and persecutor of Christians. He tried to destroy the the Christ church. It pleased him to not only display the, the, the name of Christ, but also to tell the world about the name of Christ and tell the world about the gospel message. It brought him joy. It pleased him. It brought God satisfaction for this once murderer of Christians to tell the world about Jesus And in the same way, guys, for every single one of us as Christians, as sinful, flawed, as wretched as we are, it pleases, it brings joy to God when we um, claim the name of Christ, bear the name of Christ, and when we tell the world about the name of Christ and about the truth of the gospel. It pleases Him. As crazy as that is, and this also points us to the fact that we are all called, every single one of us as Christians, to tell the world about Jesus and to tell them about the truth of the gospel there, there, is nothing, there is nothing in the world that is more selfish than, than for a person that has been saved and transformed by Jesus Christ. To so hold that, that the truth of the gospel to themselves and to refuse to tell anybody else. That is the most selfish thing that we could ever do. When there are so many people out there that are lost and do not know Jesus, whose life has not been changed by the, by the gospel, and Paul gives us an incredible model to follow by living a reckless and abandonment to Jesus and by being devoted to spreading the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God. That doesn't mean that you have to be a preacher, you have to be some leader in the church. You have to go up on a on a stage and start preaching or something like that or planning churches. That's not what that means. Every single one of us, we're called to different things by God. But here's the thing, something very practical for every single person in this room. Everybody in this room has been planted by God in a local church body. Victory Church in North Carolina, you have been planted here by God. It is not by accident. And we are surrounded by a community in Morganton, North Carolina. Tons of people that are only, not only unchurched, tons of them, not only unchurched, but do not know Jesus Christ. They do not know Jesus. Tons of them. Because every one of us as Christians is called to tell them about Jesus and to tell them about the truth of the gospel. Every one of us, not just pastors and church leaders. Keep going in this text in in verse 16, the last part, so that I could preach him among the Gentiles. Again, those are non-Jews. I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia and came back to Damascus. Then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem to get to know Cephas. And I stayed with him 15 days. But I didn't see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. I declare in the sight of God, I am not lying in what I write to you. Afterward, I went to the region of Syria and Cilicia. I remained personally unknown to the Judean churches that are in Christ. They simply kept hearing, he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. In this section of the letter, Paul gives us a behind-the-scenes look at his life with Christ. When Paul got saved, man, this wasn't just, he didn't just continue on with his life in some mundane way as though it wasn't a big deal. He got radically saved and transformed. His world was rocked, and everybody around him could see it. He went from being one of the main persecutors of Christianity to one of the main preachers of Christianity that has ever lived. And the thing is, too, don't miss this, he didn't let the past drag him down. He didn't let the past drag him down, and it's so easy to do that. But in Paul's situation, imagine that for a moment. I mean, we all struggle with different things. We all have a past, okay? So for one, you're not alone in that. Every single one of us have a past. But imagine if you added to your list of dumb decisions that you've done in your past, in that list is the fact that you've persecuted, and you've actually been a part of killing tons of Christians. Imagine having that, like, weighing you down like Paul did. And it would have been so easy for him to have let this drag him down and keep him from the mission that God had called him to. But instead of living in the past, Paul decided to sprint towards the only person that can take away the failures and the past from the only person that can do that, which is Jesus Christ. And in his pursuit of Jesus, Paul ended up becoming one of the greatest evangelists that has ever lived, if not the greatest evangelist has ever lived. And this kind of generates the question, why in the world would we ever think, ever, that, that our past or our failures, God will not use us because of our past or our failures. Why would we ever think that? Hey guys, l- listen, don't miss this. God can and will use you. He can and he will use you. No matter what your past is, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've struggled with, what you're struggling with right now, he can and he will use you when you, and catch this, when you Simply step out. you just step out in faith, which is exactly what Paul did. And he takes those those inches, those little steps of faith that we take, and he multiplies them exponentially. That's exactly what he did with Paul. That's exactly what he'll do for us as well. And, And then in this text, we also see Paul continuing on to defend himself. He's defending again the the fact that he's apostle and the truth of the gospel that he preaches. The second way that he does this is by telling the Galatians in this letter and also us as the readers that he didn't get this message from the apostles. And this sounds kind of similar to what he said before. He didn't get this message from, you know, any random people, like a random hobo or something like that. He didn't make it up on his own. But what he's doing is he's kind of getting a little bit more specific here. He's narrowing it down. He's like, look, I didn't even get it from the other apostles. Okay, I didn't get it from there. And the reason that this is important is because if Paul had simply just heard about this from the other apostles and then just imitated what they were doing, there's no problem with that. That's great. That's what we do today. He would have been preaching the truth of the gospel. But he's talking about his apostleship, the fact that he's an apostle. And so if all he was doing was imitating what these other apostles were doing, that would have kind of discredited him. But again, we've already talked about it. He didn't get it from the apostles. He got it directly from Jesus Christ in person. And Paul's proof for this is the fact that he didn't even see the apostles, forget this, three years after his conversion. Three years. So in other words, Paul got saved, and he also, by the way, soon after he got saved, he didn't waste any time. He didn't use excuses. Soon after he got saved, he was already out there preaching the gospel, telling people about Jesus. So three years from the time he got saved and started preaching the gospel, then he went to Jerusalem and for the first time met with a couple of the apostles and in that trip, that was the first trip that he took to Jerusalem. He took more later, but that's his actual, his third defense that we're going to see in this text. And in that one trip, it actually, we see three huge proofs that Paul is preaching the truth of the gospel. The message that he's preaching is spot on. Because, first of all, when he first went there to Jerusalem, the first guy that he met with was this dude named Cephas. And you're wondering, okay, who in the world is this dude named Cephas? I mean, his mom must have hated him. Why would she give him a name like Cephas? That's horrible. But this dude, Cephas, this is actually Peter. In other words, the apostle Peter. In other words, on this, church, I will, on this rock I will build my church. Peter, that dude, he met with Peter for several days. And then after Peter, he met with this guy named James. Who's James? James is the half-brother of Jesus Christ, a dude that knows a ton about Jesus. And not only that, but James, back in this day and age, James was essentially like the senior pastor of the church in Jerusalem. So he met with these two guys, and it doesn't end there. On top of that, after Paul left, all these people started hearing about Paul. More people started hearing about him, what God had done in him and through him, how he's preaching the gospel to people, and people were getting saved like crazy, and he's planting churches, and people were rejoicing and praising God because of him. They were rejoicing and praising God. And so what Paul is essentially saying is like, look, guys, if I was preaching a different gospel, if I was like preaching some false message, or if I wasn't actually an apostle, like I'm going around telling all these people, don't you think that one of these guys, James or Peter, would have confronted me about that? And why in the world would all of these guys be praising God and rejoicing God because of the gospel message that I'm preaching? If I was preaching a false gospel, why would they be doing that? Simple. They wouldn't. It's not rocket science. They wouldn't. In fact, some of the main people, if Paul was preaching a false gospel, and if he wasn't actually an apostle like he was going around telling people that he was, some of the main people that would have been going around and warning people about this would have been the other apostles. It would have been them, but what do we see them doing? They're doing nothing but giving, God, giving Paul props. They're doing nothing but encouraging him in his ministry and praising God, rejoicing because of him. That's all that they were doing. And uh, in this text, there's kind of two main big bigger pictures that, that we see through this text. One of the main bigger pictures that we see is the fact that the gospel message that Paul talked about, that he taught, that he preached, that he wrote about, is 100% accurate. And we can 100% trust it and put all of our faith, all of our confidence, in the message that Paul preached, that he wrote about, that we're reading about here in Galatians. And the second big, bigger picture truth that we see in this text is the fact that the gospel causes transformation. The gospel causes transformation. That's our big idea. In other words, real response to the gospel, real response causes real transformation. Let me say that again. Real response to the gospel causes automatically real transformation. And that transformation is evident. It is evident to the people around us. And it doesn't stop at conversion. In other words, you don't stop being transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ when you become saved. That is just the beginning. That's just the beginning, guys. It's a continual process. And one of the main ways that we continue this process of transformation is by applying the truths of God's word to our everyday life. So what I want to do, the last thing I want us to do today, is I want us to kind of dive into three practical ways that we can apply the truths of this text that we just dove into today to our everyday life. The first one is by being prepared to defend the gospel. Be prepared to defend the gospel. Guys, just like Paul, as Christians, every single one of us will. There's not an if. There's not a maybe. Every single one of us will encounter people that will challenge our faith. Every one of us. And not only that, but we will also encounter people, and we should be looking for people that want to know more about Jesus and the truth of the gospel. We have got to be able. we got to be prepared To be able to give a defense for the gospel and to tell people about this Jesus that we serve, this Jesus that we love, and the truth of the gospel message. We have to be. And guys, this applies to every single one of us as Christians. It's not just preachers or leaders in the church. And it doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian. I don't care if you've been a Christian for 60 plus years or if you just got saved today, man. Every single one of us should be able, should be prepared to give a defense for the gospel and tell people the truth about Jesus Christ and the gospel message. And oftentimes, man, we'll hear a lot of different excuses. One of the main excuses is like, I just don't know what to say. I don't, I don't know enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. Um, I, I just don't really know what to say. But the thing is, man, the fact of the matter is, if you are a Christian, if we are Christians, then here's the thing. We at least know the basics of the gospel. Bare minimum, we know the basics of the gospel. How in the world are we Christians if we don't know the basics of the gospel? We have to, right? And one of the best ways Get this, one of the best ways to tell people about the gospel, about Jesus Christ, is by telling them the same story that you know better than any other story, that you know better than anybody else knows. It's your own story. Tell them your own story. Tell them your salvation experience. That's one of the best ways to tell people about the truth of the gospel, and that's actually the second way that we can begin to apply the truths of this text that we dove into to our everyday life. Use your testimony and use your testimony. Don't be afraid. Guys, testimonies are some of the most powerful sermons preached. If they are used to point people to Jesus, and that's the key. If they are used to point people to Jesus, if the heart, if the motive behind you telling people about yourself is ultimately not to point them to you, but to point them to Jesus, they are so powerful and so impactful on people's lives. How many people's lives have been impacted just by this one man's story? And there's tons of stories all throughout the Bible. Paul's a smart guy. He knows the power of stories, and he wants to use anything and everything that he possibly can for one purpose and one purpose only, to point people to Jesus. In his mind, why in the world would you not use one of the most powerful tools at your disposal to do exactly that, to point people to Jesus Christ? And the last way that we're going to dive into today that we can begin to apply the truth of this message that we, the text that we dove into today to our daily lives is man, don't stop striving for more transformation. Don't stop striving for more transformation. And we got to understand look, we're not the, we can't transform ourselves. Okay, you cannot transform yourself on your own. That is completely impossible. Only God can transform us. But that does not mean, and catch me on this, that does not mean that we just sit there and then we do nothing. That does not mean that we just sit there and we do nothing. We are called to work with God in this process. Let me say that again. You were called to work with God in this process, in your transformation process. Paul took every situation in life every, as, a, as an opportunity to be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And as Christians, we're called to do the same. We're called to do the exact same thing to take every situation that we encounter in life as an opportunity to be transformed more and more into the image of Jesus. Three quick ways that we do this. We do this by consistently diving into the word on a consistent basis. And guys, you might be here today and you might be, you know what, I've I've read the Bible tons of times. Yeah, I've read it so many times. I got a lot of stuff memorized and that's great, but I'm gonna tell you something. You could dive into the Bible for hours on end every single day for the rest of your life and you will still only barely skim the surface. There is so much to this book. There's so much to the word of God. And guys, the word of God, it transforms us as we start to apply it to our life. So dive into the Bible on a consistent basis. We also do this by devoting ourselves to prayer on a consistent basis. Again, that consistent basis bit, that is so important. And when we dive into prayer, we're just talking to our daddy, man. That's all we're doing. Don't don't overcomplicate it. We are talking to our daddy and ask him to help you with this. Ask him to continue this process transforming you. He will. You know, and ask him, what are the things in my life, God, that I can be working on? What are the things that you want to break down in my life so that I can become more and more like Jesus, so that I can be made and molded more and more into the image of Jesus Christ? And the last thing is we do this by stepping out in faith, using the gifts, the talents, money, the resources that God has given us. As the extent to which we will grow as Christians is in part, in part determined by the extent to which we are willing to step out in faith honestly trust him. He uses those acts of faith, those steps of faith to grow us and to mold us more and more into the image of Jesus. In short, be prepared to defend the gospel. Use your testimony to point other people to Jesus and keep striving for more transformation. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you so much for the gospel. I pray that you make us people that are continually transformed and molded by what you have done on the cross for us in our place, Jesus. I pray that you help us to see the gospel in everything, and as we dive into the Bible, that we see the gospel in everything, this overarching theme of your book that you have given to us, a roadmap back to you. And God, again, I pray that you would just break chains, open up hearts and minds, God. God, I pray that you would also transform us, even as Christians, God, and show us the things in our life that we need We love you so much. We need you so much. Holy Spirit, I pray, I thank you so much for your presence in our life. And I pray that you would help us to feel you tangibly in this. We love you, Jesus. We thank you. And we praise you in your mighty name. Amen. Guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church, or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church. Maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I want to encourage you to to respond in some way today, because you know when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we um, whatever it may may be, the point of that is. Um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me? Uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me, what do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to him. And I want to encourage you to give that to him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's, um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, You know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and and step in His direction. And and the other thing too is if if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires. You know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life God. And turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. It's called baptism and, and baptism is so key, it's so important, it's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's the symbol of death to the old self and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ and we're, 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 uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you, first and foremost, to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So. Um, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we would we, we welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you, if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.